Darren Curtis, The Awakened Parent Challenge, strengthening the connection with your teenager in just seven days. This is episode 125 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. I'm Lisa Victoria, your co-host from Across the Pond, and I'm joined with Kim Shea and John Beethan, who were over in America, my other co-hosts. Today, we are joined by the wonderful Darren Curtis, who's an accredited life coach, a youth coach, and author of the Awakened Parent Challenge. He works with schools and colleges and has done extensive work with the Global Youth Leadership Program founded charity by Tony Robbins. Really excited for this podcast today. I've read Darren's book that's just been launched, and and basically what we're going to go through today in the podcast is how to become the awakened parent and how to enjoy better relationships with your children, yourself, and indeed others. And throughout the podcast, what we're going to focus on is what difference our focus makes in relationships um, and how we look at those, the use of hypnotic language in daily life. We're also going to look at whether we are the biggest critic or the biggest friend for our children and indeed ourselves, and also how to eliminate 80% of worry, arguments, and upsets in key relationships. So I know this is going to be packed full of great information, whether you've got children or not. There's going to be so many nuggets and wisdom coming from Darren today. So thank you so much, Darren, for joining us and, and gifting your time. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Lisa. Um, so, yeah, I just dive straight in. Actually, I, I think it's always good to let people know how I got into all this, because uh, if you knew my my academic background, you'd think, how the heck have you written a book and, and, and how the hell have you become qualified to talk about this? I was I remember saying when I was at school, I only liked uh, I liked three things about school, and that was uh, playtime, dinner time, and home time. So uh, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. That was my experience of school, which has actually put me in good stead because a lot of the kids I uh, I work with in schools and colleges have got exactly the same outlook. So uh, so they don't necessarily enjoy it that much. I actually stumbled uh, into this arena, if you like, because my wife suffered from really bad depression and anxiety and even at times suicidal thoughts so uh, i mean i say that with a smile on my face now because because we've we've done so much research and and we've kind of found the found the map if you like uh, although she gets some of those feelings now she doesn't own them they're not who she is it's an absolute uh, joy to 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 have to come out the other end you know to to see the light at the tun- end of the tunnel and come out the other end but that's so i suppose the reason I share that with people is because for many years, I was the partner of somebody suffering from anxiety and depression, which can be very challenging itself. And obviously, my wife, seeing my wife go through really chronic uh, anxiety and, and this debilitating depression when she's actually at a core, she's she's a very vivacious, lovely, lively person, you know, and most people wouldn't have any idea that she she, even when she was suffering, because I think that's the key thing with people who suffer badly from depression and anxiety. On the day they're suffering, you you don't really see them or they just put a mask on. So so it's just to, uh, that's the grounding really of where I learned all of this from a, pace, uh, a place of, of, of pain really and, 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 and a desire to help my wife. But actually now looking back, um, I, I wouldn't really change it for the world because it, it really opened up a window for me to, to look at myself and, and my own stuff, you know, so I was gladly sort of skimming along the surface of life. And, and, uh, it made me look a bit deeper at my own self and my, and my own sort of, uh, stuff that was going on inside me when, when, you know, on the surface, I was happy go lucky, but actually, you know, there's, there's like most of us, there's, there's, uh, you know, uh, I always say to people, you know, that negative voice you've got inside your head and everybody says, yeah, I know that voice. Well, I had one too, uh, except actually, 
bizarrely enough, mine was sort of very covert. So, uh, so which can be quite dangerous because you don't actually know it until you realize it's, you know, you, you, somebody points out to you that, that, uh, it's there. So that's sort of a little, very brief whistle to stop sort of tour of, uh, where I've come from and how I've got here talking about this. And I suppose what I've done over the years, I just really found myself enjoying working with teenagers. Um, I'd worked with, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd worked in big business before and I'd worked with senior managers and things like that, but I didn't really enjoy that. I, I felt it was a bit of a false world and, and the way, you know, the, the language of, of the corporate world just felt a bit alien to me. So whereas with teenagers, you know, you really, you really, they're real, you know, so I, I really, really, really enjoyed working with them. And then I got the chance to volunteer at the Tony Robbins Global Youth Leadership Summits um, every year. It's really magical to see that unfold. And that's where the book came from, was after my first one and time of doing that. I remember sitting down uh, after the event. I had I had a day before my plane was due to leave uh, back to the UK. And I remember sitting down scribbling notes about everything I'd learned that week. And I, I found myself crying next to this swimming pool. And uh, just just tears just falling out of my, my eyes. And it was like I'd realized the truth about that voice sort of inside our head. Uh, and um, and I thought, I've got to get this information out to more parents because of the damage we unknowingly do to our children. You know, with the best will in the world, you know, we we we, we have expectations of them and, and we have rules of what, how things should be and whatever we inadvertently pass a lot of that on to to them you know become that their internal voice inside their head uh so so yeah so that was where it where it all sort of came from and that's where the awakened parent challenge came from that thank you for sharing Darren I've got goosebumps just as you explain how it's all unraveled and we, we set out on this journey of what's called life and sometimes the twists and turns and it's never part of our plan but the bigger plan and you know, those kind of insights and those moments and be able to translate that into something really useful and want to help children because it, it's it's like you said there, you know, sometimes we unknowingly pass things on to others. I mean, I don't have children myself, but I've read your book and certainly I could take things away and thinking about friends with children and language that they use, which we're going to talk about today. It's all in that book, but it's this podcast isn't just for parents out there. Is I mean, they'll get huge amounts of benefit, but even if you haven't got children, it certainly will make you think about the use of language and how you feel about the, yourself and the relationships you have around you, including the relationship with yourself. So really, really excited to learn more from you. I know there's so much more magic on your journey um, and we could talk for hours, couldn't we, in terms of all the tools you've got in your toolbox. But um, I think this podcast is going to be based around the Awakened Parent Challenge book that you've just released because it's really, really important messages within that book. So when we think about how to become the awakened parent and have those better relationships, we talked about having a different focus and the impact that has on relationships. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Thank you. Um, so, I mean, I do a lot with, with real life stories. That's kind of how I learn. Uh, and I think stories sort of stick with people. So, I mean, I remember being called into uh, a, um, a mum was really worried about her daughter it was her first day at secondary school and uh, she was literally sort of ready to be sick worrying herself sick with the first day at school nerves which is which is common you know it's it's we all get nervous when it's the unknown when we start a new job you know a new relationship first day at school and um so she called me and, and asked me if I could pop around and see her this young girl 11 years old was sat there on her bed with her knees tucked up under her chin and you could just see she was sort of like this very pale color and uh she looked like she was going to be sick and so I you know I said to her you know how, how's it going what you know what what are you what are you worrying about and she sort of said well I've got tomorrow at school and uh, I don't know I, I haven't got a clue how big the school is I'm I'm, I'm not very good with directions and and uh, I think I'm going to get lost and I don't know what all the other kids are going to be like um, I, you know some of them might bully me some of the teachers might be mean I'm, I'm quite a fussy eater so I don't know you know 
if I'm going to like what, what they serve me in the, in the canteen or the cafe at, at the school. So she had this big list of things of what if, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if I don't meet people? What if I get broken uh, you know, away from my split up from my friend? So she had, what if this and what if that? So she was, and I said to her, you seem to be worrying about this as if it's already happened. You know, your energy is, is like it's already happened. So I said, would you be prepared to play a little game with me and pretend that you're speaking to me now as if you've been to school today and actually it went so perfectly that you can't believe how lucky you are so and she was great she said she said well yeah I, I don't mind so I said but I said while you're talking to me can you talk to me you know as as if it's already happened so she said well I I got up early so I could sort of do do my hair and 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 make sure all my uniform looked nice I met my friend on the way to school mum and dad dad stayed off work mum and dad stayed off work so they could be with me in the morning to support me and I'm like yeah great and she said, I met my friend on the way to school. We got there early in plenty of time. And uh, the teachers were really nice. They introduced us to the school and they gave us a map of the school. So we knew where we were going. Uh, she said all of the my classmates were, were brilliant. You know, I couldn't wish for a better, better class. It was just a, just a nice, calm, friendly day. Uh, all the teachers were nice. And um, all even the other kids, when they bumped into us, you know, they'd show us different things and joke around with us. And she said it was just a really nice day. Oh, and the food was really good too. You know, the food was stuff that I liked. So, you know, from that, you you can already get a picture of what what her sort of key values are in life. You know, she wants support. She wants to, you know, have a little bit of fun uh, and enjoyment. She she wants to um, be connected to her friend uh, and things like that. So so you already start to build a picture of, of, of what makes her tick, if you like. But rather than all that stuff she was worried about before, which was basically focusing on everything she didn't want, um, which was, which was, manifesting as a feeling in, inside of her, you know, it was, it was a bad feeling. So we all, we always talk about getting hijacked by your script, uh, which is that little negative voice inside your head. And so that's what, what was happening to her. She was being hijacked by, by her script. And, um, but she, and then she still went on to say, after she told me all the good stuff, she said, yeah, but it might not happen like that. And I said, no, no, no. I said, it might not happen like that. I said, but which one makes you feel better? Does it make you feel better thinking about the day, how good it could be? Or does it make you feel good thinking about the day, how bad it could be? And, and I said, because the chances are, you know, 95% of the stuff we worry about just never even happens. And it certainly never happens as bad as we think it does. But yet our focus or our scripts focus will always go down that avenue. And it really, it's trying to keep us safe. It's trying to think of all the eventualities. But it's crazy because it doesn't feel good. So, um, and the same from a parent's point of view, often a parent will focus on something they'll be saying what they don't want a lot of you know they'll say you know don't speak to me like that or you know don't don't spill that drink you know they give them a drink and say don't spill it when you think well is that what you want or what you don't want and the and the thing I'm saying about that if I say to you today don't think of a pink cat you your mind has to build a pinch picture of the pink cat to not think about it so you know, if if uh, you wouldn't, I don't think anybody would have thought of a pink cat today unless I just told them not to think about it. So the bizarre thing is the very thing I want them not to do, they're doing. So, and it's the same with our relationships. My wife made me laugh the first time she ever learned this uh, many, many years ago when we, when we were doing our life coach training. Uh, the, the lady who was teaching us, she said, look, you know, men are very simple creatures. You know, they, they uh, how did she word it? She She just said, they they rely on praise and they'll do whatever you praise they'll do more of because because they don't necessarily know what you want because you're always telling them what you don't want and what my wife like many you know partners it's not 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 just wives here it's husbands as well get it completely wrong she used to say she used to moan about the fact that the bin wasn't being put out you know it'd be overflowing you know before it got put into the big wheelie bin out the front and um, so this one day, without me knowing about it, after we just finished our training, she said, uh, I, I took the, she said, oh, can you take the bin out for me, please? So I took the bin out and she, she went, oh, she goes, that is such a great help. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And she actually thought when she was saying it, he's going to realize what I'm doing here, you know, because I'm being so over the top. She shared with me years later, she said, you know what, after I said what I wanted, which was for you to put the bin out, something so simple, and I praised you for doing it. I never, ever had to ask you to do it again because my little monkey brain realizes I know how to please my wife. 
I, I put the bin out. That's that's one of my my tasks. But it's really funny because I hear so often when I'm in people's homes, I'll hear one partner saying to the other one, oh, that's right. You know, don't do this or don't you never put the bin out or da 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 da. So that little brain doesn't know, it, it, even though the end result is the same, they want the bin to go out, you know um it's a bit like the tidy in the kids rooms you know i hear parents all the time shouting and screaming and about kids tidying their rooms but what they what they'll do is say you know you treat this house like a hotel you treat your room looks like a pigsty they they very rarely say i'd really really appreciate you it, it, or appreciate it if you tidy your room now i know that's not always going to work straight away but but the fact is most of the time we're telling our kids what we don't want that's what we'll end up getting so so many examples there, and so many golden nuggets thank you for sharing Darren because you know you've talked there about you know using the story of of the young girl first day at school I mean everybody has a first day at school right so everybody can relate to that I can relate to my first day at school and whether you're a parent or not it could be a first day at work couldn't it in a job it's those thoughts and those feelings and actually which one would you choose to to focus on and then I think you know when you were talking about Tracy and and the use of the language and putting the bin out you know it's so transferable into relationships not just with children it's it's like with anything isn't it and what you focus on and the brain doesn't recognize the word don't or so actually when you say don't spill that drink you're saying spill that drink aren't you and you've referenced that in your book haven't you and don't don't think pink cat and that's what our brains do and it it, like you said right at the beginning of the podcast we don't know sometimes the kind of not damage that we're doing but the hindering of relationships that we're imposing by the use of our language and this awakened parent challenge and the awakened parent podcast is just wonderful because it's getting people to think about what language are they going to be using going forward and what they want to focus on you know what outcome do they want rather than what they don't want Mm, yeah exactly and actually a really another just good example just to finish off on that as well I was sharing the other day uh with a friend the fact that my son during lockdown he's 22 now and he's just learned how to cook but really really well cook everything from scratch and and it's fantastic it's uh, certainly helped me lose lots of weight and then she's the first thing she said was oh, and what about the washing up? And I said, well, I do that. And so she went, what, he leaves it? And I said, well, yeah. I said, because he's he's doing all the cooking. So I'm more than happy to do the washing up. So, and I said, ah, hold on a minute. Are you telling me if your son did the, all of the cooking for a whole week, your focus would go on to the fact he hadn't done the washing up? And she just sort of went quiet and she went, yeah, it probably would actually. She said, because in my world, those two things go together. Of course, this comes back to the script. So somebody at some stage has said to her, if you do the cooking, you need to you need to tidy up after yourself. Whereas in whereas in my hallucination, I am so happy that he's done the cooking and saved myself and my wife from having to cook that it's it's fantastic. I mean, and and I mean it's crazy because we've got dishwasher, so it's hardly like old-fashioned washing up either. So, but the fact is we we love to wash up because we've just had this fabulous meal. So, uh, but I thought, God, couldn't that be so different in a different household? Where so would that would that son or daughter still want to cook a meal if all that the focus is is oh you haven't done the washing up? And it I, comes back know. to that word focus again, doesn't it? I'm, I'm praising people for what they do do rather than you know, moaning at what they don't do, <laughs> and then you'll get more of it. Is the law of attraction, isn't it? You, yeah, exactly. But it's so really, it's such a, it's a small thing, but it's a massive thing. So it's just, just a matter of just catching yourself. If you, if you're focusing on the things you don't want, you know, just try and think about what you, what you do want. And, and the difference is amazing. It really is. We talked a little bit about language there, didn't we? In terms of you know, kind of, oh, thank you for putting the bin out. And that's kind of the praise and so when we move on to the use of hypnotic language in daily life what do you mean by that and how can people start implementing that yeah yeah I mean advertisers spend billions of pounds every year using hypnotic language patterns it's it's what they would term as ethical hypnosis that, that's what it basically is if you notice they that what they actually do is use a feeling so if uh, you, you'll see an advert 
And you won't actually know what the advert's about often until right at the end, because what they've done is they've spent the 30 seconds building an emotion in you. And then they'll just flash the brand in the last three, five seconds because they've got you to the emotional state they want you to be in. And then they flash the brand. That's a form of hypnosis. We're using a form of hypnosis all the time with our words and how we act. Um, so sometimes we haven't even got to use the word, but, but how we act each, each day tells our children what's important to us. So if you come home and, you know, read the paper or you come home and check your emails, uh, you know, that tells your children that, that, you know, or your partner, if you haven't got children, that, that the things that you're engaging in are more important to them than they could say, oh, no, I love you. You're the most important thing in the world. But if your actions show that, you you know, you're, you're reading your emails or, uh, you know, reading the paper or whatever, it shows to them in their mind, in their script, it will say to them, oh, that's more important. Uh, I was trying to think of the guy's name, but a brilliant book. Um, it'll come to me. But uh, he he shares uh, a thing about um, when, oh, what was that? I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I've just lost, lost that. I often do that. Um, so, but it's fantastic because again, knowing about the little voice inside your head, my little voice would normally be going mad now because obviously I'm trying to be, I do a, a professional podcast, but hey ho, this is real life. You know, people forget things, you know, so, it, and, and that's fine. <laughs> but um, no, hypnotic language patterns. Um, I remember working with a young lad. I've changed all the names in the book. It's not the normal names of people, but we'll call him Carlos for the sake of this argument. His uh, stepmom called me in because she said he just doesn't communicate with me. He just almost ignores me every day. And I've, I've been his stepmom for two years now. So she said, can you come in and sort of just see if you can help us really as a family? Uh, she said, because his dad's getting to the end of his tether as well. And it's causing a lot of arguments in our house. She said, I, I don't want I don't want my partner to argue with his son or anything. Uh, she said, but it is quite hard when somebody's ignoring you in your own home. And so Carlos was about, I think he was about 14, 15 years old. So I got talking to him and he was just saying that, that he said, yeah, he said, I do. I, I find it hard to talk to my stepmom. He goes, we've got nothing in common. So that's a hypnotic language pattern. Because of course, if you're beginning anything with the word I, you're owning it as your identity. So, and I said, okay, let's, again, let's play a little game. Let's pretend that you don't find it hard. So if you didn't find it hard to talk to her, what would you be telling me? And he said, well, I guess I'd be telling you I find it easy to talk to my stepmom. And he straight away went, but I don't. So I went, no, no, no. I said, but let's play the game. So, so I said, so you, you would tell yourself that I find it easy to talk to my stepmom? He said, yeah. So, and I said, just out of interest, you know, if you did find it easy to talk to your stepmom, what, what would be different? What would you do differently? And he said, well, he said, I guess you know, she's really academic. So I guess I'd ask her more questions about my homework because that, that would be really helpful. And he said, I guess I'd spend a little bit more time downstairs with the family rather than in my room. He said, because it wouldn't be as awkward. He said, I guess I might invite them or, or suggest as a family, we go to the cinema because, you know, he said, Hey ho, he said, you haven't actually got to talk that much. He said, but you're still going out as a family. He said, so that's pretty cool. And I said, oh, that's good. Yeah, so, so I said, okay. I said, right. I said, but the important thing is, and he had loads of, he, he reeled off about 10, 15 different things if, if he found it easy to talk to his stepmother. Because this is the thing as well. If you've already hypnotized yourself or somebody else in a certain way, they will go and gather evidence or their, their, their script will, or, or they'll just gather evidence to support that, that belief about it. You know, the, 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 uh, I find it hard to talk to my stepmom. So, so that becomes their reality. I said to Carlos, right, we've got to somehow get past the gatekeeper of your mind and, and, and get you to lock into this new mantra of yours of, I find it easy to step to, to, uh, talk to my stepmom. And, uh, so I said, what do you do often? So he said, well, I check, you know, I check my phone, I check my texts. I said, okay, cool. So I said, could you, every time you check a text in the day, I said, do you do it sort of more than 10, 12 times a day? He said, oh yeah, easily, you know, 20, 30 times a day. He said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, every time I check, check my text, I'll remember to say, so that became his anchor. So I, I, I remember to say, you know, I find it easy to chat with my stepmom. And he, and he laughed. He said, but I don't. And I said, no, no, no. I said, no. And I said, I really respect that you're going along with this. This is the other reason I love working with teenagers because they actually just do things rather than, rather than, you know, try and be all sort of adult about it and go, oh no, I don't really think I'll do it. I'll feel silly doing this. So the next week I, 
I went back and the mum answered the door and it was wonderful to see her. She had this big beaming face and she went, what have you done to Carlos? <laughs> and I, I said, well, I said, hold it there. Let me, let me talk to him. And I said, you tell me your story in a minute. I want to talk to him for half an hour. So I went into the, to the lounge again and chatted with him and he had a big beam on his face as well. And I said, what, what's happened this week then? He said, well, he said, to be honest, he said, he said, I asked my mum, he's my stepmum, if, um, if she could help me with my homework. And he goes, she was absolutely over the moon, you know, to help me. And he said, my God, it makes it so much easier when you've got somebody intelligent helping you. You know, he, he said, my dad's terrible, you know, to be like my kids asking me to do the homework with them. And, uh, and, and he said, um, I did, I did, I did. And he said, what was funny was he said, I did what you told me to. I invited them to the cinema. And I said, I didn't tell you to do that. I said, you suggested that if you found it easy to talk to your stepmom, you would, he said, really? And that's, that's what happens, you see. So he said, did I come up with that? And I said, yeah, that was one of your ideas. I said, everything was your idea. So he said, oh, right. So, and he said, yeah, I said about going to the cinema. And he said, my dad was, he said it was just great. And he, and, um, and, and his stepsister went with them as well. And that was a really, he said, that was just great. And he said, uh, and he said, and we said, why don't we go out for a meal afterwards? And he said, so we sat down for a meal and talked about what we just watched at the cinema. And he said, then, then we suggested a few films to watch at home as well, because that, that seemed to work really well as a family. And, and he mentioned a few other things as well, but he, you could just tell he was just really alive. And this was in the space of a week. And I said, so how did, how did you get on with your your thing, you know, saying to yourself about, I find it easy to talk to my stepmom. And he said, well, every time I said it, it made me laugh. And he said, because I kind of felt like I was lying to myself. And I said, well, you kind of were in the beginning. And he said, well, what I did was, he said, I found it easier in the morning looking at myself in the mirror as I brushed my teeth. He said, I would say it to myself, uh, it, you know, first thing in the morning when I got up and, and, uh, and I would say it last thing at night as well. And he said, actually, he said, uh, he found that more powerful. He said, cause I'm looking at myself in the mirror and he said, and I'm laughing at myself saying it because he said, I know that I'm sort of kidding myself, but he said, but I did it cause you, you asked me to do it. So I just went along with it. I said, why, why do you think you ended up doing all those things with your, with your stepmom then? And he just laughed and he said, well, I suppose I just find it easy to talk to her. So I said, oh, that's really cool. So, you know, within a week he'd managed to really, he'd managed to erase the old belief which was causing him all those problems and give him and, and give himself a new hypnotic language, you know, and, and, and basically change his, change his actions as a result of changing his, his sort of, uh, identity around his relationship with his stepmom, you know, and if you, if you knew the history of the family and what had happened before that, and, and the fact that his little brother lives in a different country and the mum lives in a different country, the real mum lives in a different country, you know, you would, if you tried to get down into all of that, sort of like you know therapy that you think he might need to to undo all of that you you might be there for an awfully long time but for my remit of basically just getting the family to a bit closer you know those two sessions and I think we had another two sessions and and uh you know the, the job was job was done really um because he wanted to do some other stuff then it wasn't about his stepmom because he was already doing that he, I think he wanted to ask a girl out or something like that so the other two sessions are all about his relationships with other with other girls which again if he's got a dodgy relationship with his mum and with his stepmom what do you think his relationships are going to be like with with somebody going forward so just by nipping it in the bud at age 14 15 it really really helped him you know hopefully for the rest of his life it's breaking that chain isn't it it's like stopping that from repeating itself like you say through other relationships as well because now more conscious of the hypnotic language and what I love about what you've said about the hypnotic language it's not like you need to be hypnotized it's just about consciously thinking about your language isn't it and then subconsciously it's going in and that's why it's that hypnotic language because it's changing the way you think and feel about situations which automatically your brain goes looking for the solutions doesn't it like you said is you know you will find all the reasons why you can do something or all the reasons why you can't do something so even if you're stood in the mirror and you feel like you're lying to yourself you are creating your way of thinking which has that ripple effect yeah it's just a nice new pathway you're carving rather than the default old pathway that you've been going through for years sort of thing so yeah yeah that's what i just like i like it sort of when just people put things into practice and it actually works. And, and I, I have to do this with myself all the time as well. I, I'm not, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So I need to remind myself about my language and it's something you need to do to the day you die really, because, you know, we're all, we've all got, 
you know that that negative voice in our head even when you know it's there it still crops up and hijacks you from time to time so so it's being aware of it but but my god i'm so much happier knowing knowing it's there now and and because you can actually do something about it i I think that's the that's the sad thing when you don't know it's there or you're not you're not awakened or conscious to it then all sorts of things are uh, 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 going on unconsciously, which can be so dangerous for. I think most relationships that split up, it, it's totally unconscious. You, you're not arguing. I mean, like a therapist would say, it's. I, I remember my friend went to a sort of marriage uh, guidance, and uh, they'd had a massive argument about a cup of coffee, and the, and the therapist said, "You know, it's not about the cup, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's not about the coffee." And, and it was like, "Yeah, it's not. It's it, that argument was." something way back maybe not even in this relationship the one previously or the two before that or whatever so it's uh yeah it's so good to be conscious and 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 awake uh rather than sleepwalking your way through life i think that's a great analogy sleepwalking your way through life and when you talk about just for the benefit of our listeners when you talk about the script and you know we both coach and we're aware of it just just for the benefit of the listeners the the script is the negative voice in the head that we would, the script as in being, you know, the words, the thoughts that we would read from, and it will give us the answers in any given situation if we don't choose. And that's exactly what Darren's talking about here is becoming conscious, becoming aware, then we can not value that opinion of of the script that we call the negative voice inside our head. And that's where we can then choose that different positive language and that hypnotic language that we're talking about, which is what exactly in the example you got Carlos to do standing in the mirror, that just waking up, isn't it? And waking up and helping any relationship in your life. Mm. And that's, I think the script has always been a great analogy for me. I mean, years ago, I just used to call it the gremlin or the negative voice inside your head or whatever. But I think the script works better because you are literally often playing a part like an actor reading from a script and the script has been passed down from generations to generations so if you if your family's got a script about money you know chances are you'll have a script about money if oh, my family have obviously got a script about money that's why it, 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 it jumps out to me with a big red button on it you know but what you know if, about people weight. think or wait yeah yeah exactly yeah don't 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 uh well they say don't wash your dirty linen in public you know so don't make sure people don't know uh, people don't find out about about this sort of thing you know yeah, so uh reputation to uphold exactly yeah exactly struggling yeah yeah and different countries have got different scripts as well you know in 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 uh especially you know in in the east it's it can be very proud sometimes can't it uh you know you've brought shame upon the family and things like that so uh but it's just a yeah it's just a script the analogy of the male kind of script as we call it the negative voice if you, you compare it to somewhere like one of our european countries like where men will they'll hug each other won't they and, and each other to greet each other whereas in the uk it's very kind of more of a step up a lip lip and you shake hands at best if you certainly don't hug another man unless you really really know them very well and that is just something when you talk about you know sleepwalking you why why wouldn't you choose to hug another man and would you choose to hug another man and that's what's all about becoming awake isn't it and tips that we've already gone through i mean this is wonderful and we're just picking little bits out of of the book and your program that you do online so this is wonderful thank you so much for sharing i'm sure our listeners are getting huge amounts of value out of it and i think the next thing we were going to talk about was whether you're your child's biggest critic or biggest friend and that can you know be related to ourselves as well can you know talking about it can yeah yeah so it does go dovetails exactly on what we've just been talking about and and i think teenagers as well i think teenagers hold up a mirror to us i mean i've got two two boys who have both gone through the teenage years now and and they really do hold up a mirror so because they press your buttons a lot and and uh it shows you what's going on inside of you really so if you can look at them as being your biggest teachers instead of your you know coming along to ruin your life uh, as many people see it then it changes the whole dynamic of the relationship and and the thing with 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 this when i go on a lot in the book of of either being script fm which is basically critic fm or is it friend fm and it's like if you if you were listening to a radio station you, you know you just jumped in your car or something and and there's a radio station that you you just don't resonate with you don't it doesn't 
just doesn't do it for you uh, or it even annoys you you know it's um uh you would just turn you'd either turn it off or you'd you'd change the station to a different radio station wouldn't you well it's the same with with that negative voice inside our head uh, i call so i call the real negative voice script fm uh, and i call the nice nurturing parenting voice friend fm now I know not everybody has got a nice nurturing parent voice because sometimes the parental voice is the script, is the critic FM. So that's what I was getting at here is when you're talking to your child or or, or asking them to do things or or criticizing them, I mean, because I'm not saying it's all a bed of roses and you can't tell your kids off. By all means, you know, tell them off. But I always say about sort of making sure you 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 discipline the behavior you don't sort of criticize their identity. So often, you know, when, when we get um, hijacked by our script and, and we get annoyed and angry and frustrated, we'll often say things we don't mean. So you, you, you might find yourself going, oh, you're, you're so stupid or, you know, you've got the brains of a rocking horse or, um, you know, it's just it's all anything that starts with you becomes their I. So inside their head, when you, if you tell a kid you're stupid, it doesn't take them very long at all before they say inside their head, their their internal dialogue is, oh, I'm stupid. Oh, you know me, I'm stupid. Oh, you know me, I'm useless. Oh, you know me, I'm worthless. I mean, when people say they've got limited self-worth, that's come from somewhere and someone. Now, I'm not saying it's all parents. It's, it's parents, it's teachers, it's it's friends or, 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 or bullies. Uh, it's any caregiver, but uh, especially in the early days, the earlier it, it sort of gets said to them, then the more likely it is to go in. Um, but, but yeah, so that's the main thing is, is just think about when you're, it's hard because when you're hijacked by your script, you do say things you regret. I still say things I regret now. And, and, uh, but what's good about being aware, I suppose, is you can quickly backtrack and you can say sorry a lot quicker. Uh, cause I, I had a script that said, you know, saying sorry was a weakness that being stubborn was actually a, an asset. Whereas, you know, people who are stubborn, especially parents, usually what happens is they lose all communication with their children. You hear so many uh, stories about children not speaking to their parents. And that's because, funny enough, the parent was stubborn. So what have they done? They've passed on their stubborn script to their son or daughter. And guess what? Two stubborn scripts means you don't talk anymore or you don't talk until something horrible happens, like either one of them dies uh, and then you wish you'd have spoken to them or or one of them gets critically ill or maybe terminally ill. And, and all of a sudden they realize that that maybe that was not the right thing to do. And they'd really love to speak to their child or the child would love to speak to the parent. So it's it's trying to sort of um, a really good technique I learned years ago from from Tony Robbins was he said about the words always and never. So he said, often when you're when you're just about to argue, you're just about to enter into that argument. So therefore, get hijacked by your script. You, if you notice, you what the script does, it it will try and make it so that you so you'll say you always do this or you never do that. Whereas that's it's not true because they don't always do this and they don't never do that. So if you try swapping those words out because they're real trigger words because the script almost needs them. To, to make you say the, the rest of the sentence, which is going to be pretty vile, basically. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you're like when you argue, Lisa, but I'm, I'm awful when I argue. I, I, if anybody ever filmed me being uh, arguing, I, I would be very embarrassed. But um, I, I realise that's, you know, that's one of my, uh, one of my things that I, I've, I've worked on over the years. So always and never, if you can change the words always and never to sometimes, because sometimes is actually the truth. So if you can catch yourself when you're just about to argue and say, you sometimes do this and you some, it, it takes all of the power away. Because again, what do we do? We point, we, we, we go to point at people, uh, you know, as if to point the, the point home to them. So yeah, you always do this. You never do that. But you sometimes do this or you sometimes do that. It, it it's just takes all of the power out of it. And it actually makes you laugh because you've got these key words that make you angry. So if you can change the word, then then all of a sudden you take all of the power out of it. That's an energy there, isn't there? It's a never to sometimes it kind of devalues it a little bit and take, like you say, that, that kind of power out of it. And I'm just picking up on something you said earlier because 
I think it's a really pertinent point. It's when we talk to people and you say your you's become their eyes. So you are stupid or you are a fool or whatever it is. Um, it becomes their I am. And as we know, behavior follows identity. So if that becomes their identity, they're going to start behaving like that. So in that instance, if there's any parents out there who are thinking, well, what, what would I say instead? Because we're saying we're not going to attack their identity. We're going to challenge their behavior because, you know, I guess as part of being a parent, I don't have children, but as observing and, and listening to friends and yourself, there's going to be times when you perhaps need to direct and educate a child because it's part of growing up and learning, isn't it? So how do you how would you in that instance work on helping them change their behavior rather than criticizing their identity so so often i mean even if because when when so you take away the you so 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 therefore you're not attacking their identity so you can still virtually say the same thing but but what you're doing is you're you're in i mean it's better not to not to do it at all to change it, but I'll go on to that. But but if you like, if you were saying that they were irresponsible or or they were stupid, what you would say is that was stupid. So you go, that was that was such a stupid thing to do. But you're not saying you're stupid, and um, or you're if you're saying I don't know they're irresponsible, you you wouldn't say they're irresponsible. You'd say, can you see that that's such an irresponsible thing to to have done? And it's almost to try and bring them in. And, and it, do, it does take practice because, of course, what usually happens and, and what I do with this is I, I, if I can feel that I'm, I'm starting to move away from saying something with love um, and I've started to be hijacked by my script, I, I try, I desperately try not to say anything at all. And I just wait until I wait a few minutes and calm down, even if you can just count to 10 and and then just just before you you go into that because often if you're hijacked by your script all bets are off and and you do launch into that sort of you this you that language but if you can if you can come at it from a from a place of love and say to them you know what can we so how are we going to resolve this what my default is i say listen guys we're a team so can we can we just calm things down a minute? You know, if they're going off on the deep end or if they're, you know, just just being totally unreasonable, because, again, what happens is, is and remember, they're they're not um, as a as a teenager in this instance, their brain isn't fully developed and they are being unreasonable, but not deliberately, not to annoy you. They're just literally not developed. Um, so but what happens is, is rather than our adult kick in it brings it down to what used to be our teenager. So, so that's sort of our inner child arguing with them as a, as a, uh, a child, you know, it, albeit a young adult, but still a child, really. It's just sort of saying, get getting that key, trying to practice some key things. So my, my go-to is, come on, guys, we're a team. You know, let's, let's really, let's act like it. You know, so if I want, if I want things done in the house, you know, I'll be saying, so everything's, everything's a mess, whatever. Uh, then, then I'll say, right guys, we're a team. So who's going to do the washing up? Who's going to, um, who's going to do the, uh, who's going to empty the dishwasher? Who's going to fill the dishwasher? Who's going to, who's going to do whatever, you know, pick up the poo, the dog poo in the garden or whatever. And, and, uh, and the presupposition is there. One of us is going to do one of those tasks. So, so there's a, there's a presupposition without being sarcastic, but again, it's a really useful hypnotic language pattern tool because you're presupposing, like for younger children, you can go, do you want to have, do you want us to read your book before or after we have the bath? So the presupposition is you're going to have a bath. Now, the great thing by saying that is they get, they have the illusion of choice. So they're saying, oh, uh, before. So they're really happy to have a bath now because they just, they think they're in control by saying, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to read the book before the bath. So you go, okay, cool. So come on in, let's go and have the bath. But so it's like just tip for any yeah, there's a lot of I know. parents out there who struggle to either get it is it is so or you know into the bath. Yeah. So what well, a yeah. great tip to use. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Do you want to have the book? Yeah. I suppose you can't have the book before or after bed because <laughs> if you're in bed, yeah, before or after you go to sleep. But yeah, book yeah, on the sofa before you go to bed. Or yeah. You're allowed or to bed. or in bed. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're scrambling upstairs to go into bed. Yeah. So, uh, but at least it's just giving them a little bit of choice because again, going back to the scripty voice or the friend voice inside your head is is to 
what you want is them you want them to have a voice that says i'm okay and it'll be okay you know a voice that you know a voice of a friend because then it's so much easier when because you're not always going to be around are you and and you don't always want to be around because you want them to be independent you want them to be confident in their own right so so from a really early stage um, in my kids' lives, and again, I'm so glad that I learned all this stuff early on because it made me change the way that I parented because I would have probably been a lot more protective and I would have probably taken over because I'm, I'm, I feel that I'm fairly confident. So I would have probably done things for them a lot more. But by being mindful and thinking of the long game, I used to say, so let's say we went to a restaurant or a cafe. I would always say to my kids from from as young as I can remember, you know, three years old or whatever, I'd say to them, right, could you tell the nice lady or the nice man what you want to eat? Rather than me choose for them, I would, I would, I would get an idea of what they wanted first, but I'd say, can you tell the man what you want? And so it got them talking to adults at a very early age. If maybe we ordered something that didn't work, a toy that didn't work, we'd go back to the shop. This was in the days before Amazon when you just send it back. But we would go to the shop together and I would get them to talk to the lady or the man, you know, the, at the counter and, and take the toy back and, and tell them what was wrong with it. So not force them. So because if they had a shy day, it was that was fine. You know, you haven't. And again, it, it, I wouldn't have chastised them if they didn't want to do it. But I, I used to encourage them knowing that I wanted that. I, I, I was conscious that I wanted them to have that nice parent voice inside their head when something goes wrong later in life, you know, so that they could they could almost hear my voice um, or an adult voice in their head go, oh, it'll be okay. Whatever happens, even if they don't give you a new toy, that's okay. But if they do give you a new, new toy, that's okay too. And it's having that experience dealing with it, isn't it? And like you say, being their biggest friend. So they're, you know, having their friend voice taught to them and say it's going to be okay rather than, oh, this is broken. This is terrible. Now we've problem to fix it's like come on we can we can go and do this so you're creating. yeah yeah and it's kind of like i've got your back sort of thing yeah i love that i love that so yeah i i guess just to wrap up on that point it's it's becoming their biggest friend isn't it rather than their biggest critic and and back to what we said earlier is, is you can absolutely become your biggest best friend too and rather than your biggest critic because often we berate ourselves don't we it's not about how we talk to others it's about how yeah and, re- and and just remembering um for people to remember that if if they have got that critical voice in their head that's actually not their voice they're not nobody talks you know negatively to themselves but but it's somebody else's voice you so if you're aware that that nobody would choose to talk to themselves or criticize themselves uh but but the script will the script will always talk to you horribly but um so so when you're choosing you would always choose that nice voice and some days if you can't choose you know the, the the script wins and that's that's just the way it is and again that's that's okay too so we're not telling people to be upbeat all the time because that's not realistic we're just saying that that if you can consciously choose you would always choose to have a friendly voice inside your head but on occasions the script's going to uh hijack you and and that's fine too so uh so but when the time comes you can be kind to yourself again and that's exactly what we're talking about isn't it? the awakened challenge the awake challenge just become more awake that's the challenge in life isn't it to become awake it is yeah definitely it makes life so much uh niceful and more peaceful yeah and the other uh, yeah so and then uh you were uh the other thing we were going to talk about in a minute was the 80 20 wasn't it the, the sort of how to get rid of uh was it 80 percent of you i can't remember what i wrote you read it out for me lisa <laughs> How do we eliminate 80% of worry, arguments and upsets in key relationships? And we said we're going to circle back to the don't be home late. Yeah, the example in the book, which which was the story I'd sort of linked to that. And all it was, was um, I I remember seeing this lady, she called me in because her daughter would often stay out um with the wrong crowd and and but the, the key thing being she'd always be home late you know her, her time to come home was 10 o'clock at night and she would roll in at 11 at 12 you know sometimes later than that so you can imagine as a parent of a of a young girl a young teenage girl she i mean we're talking a 14 year old girl here so which which at the time i thought i mean this is a long time ago and so i i don't want to show my age but but you know, I was thinking, you know, a 14 year old girl out at 10 o'clock at night, it, it can, could be a bit sort of scary, but, uh, maybe, yeah, I've, I've only had, I've only had boys myself. So, but I've, I've coached lots of girls, but 
it was interesting that um so when we said to her because she was literally moaning about everything she was moaning about the state of this girl's room she was she was moaning about the fact she got home late she was moaning that she fell it falling in with the wrong crowd she was moaning that she was behind on her schoolwork and and so I said right I've got to stop you there you know we've got I'm, I'm going to have a this was sort of like the the pre-intake session if you like to find out what the problem was so I said if you could get rid of one of these she called them battles so you know I said okay we'll call them battles I don't like calling them battles but we will for the sake of I wanted to use her language and so you're 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 you've got all these battles and it sounds like you're chastising your daughter or talking in the same way about all of them it doesn't matter if she's using the wrong knife or fork or 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 not washing up that's the same she's getting the same amount of 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 uh verbal abuse as she is if she gets home at 12 o'clock at night and i said but obviously you know not doing the washing up isn't as bad presumably as coming home at one o'clock in the morning so she went oh no no of course it's not and i said but i can hear from your voice that it it seems to annoy you as much because presumably everything's stacked you know she's so stacked with emotion because her daughter's not doing all these different things in her life uh that that uh, it's upsetting her to the same degree all the time so I said, if we could just win one battle, what battle would would make the most difference? So she said, well, the uh, the, the coming home late battle, you know, the, the coming home after 10 o'clock battle. So I said, OK. So I said, so what do you actually want? She goes, well, I don't want her to come home late. And I said, no, 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 that's what you don't want. So that goes back to what we were saying earlier about the hypnotic language patterns. So and she looked at me really puzzled. And, and this often happens because we're so used to talking in, in that certain way. She goes, I don't know what you mean. She goes, I don't want her to come home late. That's what I want. I said, no, that's what you don't want. So I said, I said, if she didn't come home late, what would that be? So she goes, well, I suppose I want her to come in before 10 o'clock. And I said, right. So what you want her to do is to come home before 10 o'clock. And I said, which is what you want, not what you don't want. So, and I said, what, just out of interest, why do you want that? So she said, well, I, her father and I love her very much and we worry about her and, and, it just means we'd be able to get to bed at a decent time and go to sleep, you know, and relax. So I said, okay, next time she goes out the door, rather than go on about what you usually say, what she told me is what she, what she said, you treat this house like a hotel, your room's a pigsty, you, you're, ne you're never home on time. She's actually telling her, you're never home on time. So even if the poor girl wanted to get home on time, she's got this voice in her head that says, well, I'm, I'm always late. I never get home on time. So she probably finds she'll miss the bus by two minutes or something like that even with the best intentions in the world. So uh, anyway, so I said, right, what you've just told me there, can you please tell your daughter the next time she goes out the door and say it with sincerity, like you've just told me, not, not sarcastically. So she, so, and she sort of said, I'm going to have to write this down because I, I, she goes, I, it's just not how I talk. So I said, well, please, please, however you're going to do it, just please, you know? So she said, okay, she actually, that was on a, that was on the Friday. So she tried it that night. And she rung me the next morning and she just went, it can't be that easy. So I said, okay, talk, talk me through what's happened. She said, well, I literally, as she was leaving, um, she said, I calmed myself down and I said exactly what, what we discussed. I said, just remember, you know, your father and I love you very much. And, and we really, we'd love it if you, if you could come home before 10 o'clock, that means your father and I can get to bed early and we can, we can relax. So have a good evening, enjoy yourself and we'll see you before 10. And, and, uh, and I said, and what happened? She said, she strolled in at quarter to 10, not 10, quarter to 10. She said that has not happened for like two years. So, so, and I said, but this is it. I said, because for the past two years, because you didn't know any better, you haven't been telling her what you wanted. You've done what most parents do and you've told her what you didn't want. And, and she'd given you it bizarrely enough she'd given you the lateness that you kept going on about even though it started with the word don't but don't think of a pink cat there's your big pink cat so um yeah so that was awesome to hear that and but the thing was as well she she was that she shared with me she said that that one thing has literally got rid of 80 percent of our arguments in our house she said because she said i can tolerate you know the 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 the, her room being upside down because she goes we've just come to an agreement which is which which is what i did with my son one of my sons his room was ridiculously upside down i mean i don't pretend to be the neatest person in the world but um we came to an agreement uh early on because we found that that was what most of our arguments were about so um so he said well look it's my room 
So he said, if I if I just have my room how I want it to be, and if you just agree that, you know, once I shut the door, that don't worry about it. And I said, no, okay, cool. I said, so if you can make sure the rest of the house is reasonable, you, you haven't got your stuff spilling out into the other rooms. I said, you're, I'll just accept that your room is what your room is. And, uh, and it's cause it's at the end of the day, it's his space in our home, isn't it? In, 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 in the family home. So, uh, so that, that instantly stopped like 80% of our arguments because that's what we used to argue about all the time was his room being upside down, which I'd imagine I hear a lot of parents going on about their teenager's room. And what it is, again, it's because our script says, you know, I don't know if it's going to be about what, what are other people going to think if they come around or is it that they've got their mum's voice or dad's voice in their head, you know, that, that's sort of like it seems that their child is getting away with something if, if it's, you know, or did they get moaned at, you know, or are they naturally very organised people? Um, and so when they've got this creative child who – creative the creative brain is very very scruffy and very very sort of like not organized it's very hard for an organized brain a parent's brain to understand how anybody can be like that but again it's understanding there are different personality types and it's honoring those different personality types because you know often i've said to parents okay so your son's not that academic which is causing a lot of arguments in your house but but you know, you've just told me that they make friends really easily. They can they can play, pick up any instrument and play it straight away. I mean, that in itself is phenomenal. Um, or, or they can um, uh, they can do all physical sports. So they've got this physical intelligence, and they've got this musical intelligence, and they've got this personal in- intelligence or interpersonal intelligence. So those are their skills. They're obviously more more right brained person. Um, they're never going to remember stats and they're never going to remember facts to pass exams so they're always going to be a kind of c-grade student so there's really no point putting all the value or 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 putting all your you know your conditional love into them getting a grades because it just ain't going to happen you know that's not who they are so if but if you love them because they can you know love them unconditionally anyway but you know get them more music lessons if they're good at music give them more music lessons you know if they're good at swimming get them more swimming lessons and so get yeah yes again doesn't it it's focusing on what they don't want to happen they don't want them to fail their exams rather than what they do want they want them to thrive you know what parent out there you know even a non-parent what parent out there doesn't want their child to be happy and thrive and ultimately that you know quite often when I see when I'm coaching is the pressures coming from a place of love because they want their child to be happy and successful but actually success and happiness can come in many many forms can't it it's not just the one route which is the academic route taught through school and it, it comes back to that focus doesn't it again and I, I love your examples there as how to eliminate you know those worries and arguments and upsets and it's just that flipping it around isn't it and saying well actually what's going on for me is it my issue that their room's tidying it untidy and it's bothering me <laughs> so what 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 is it that I need to let go of and it's that self-reflection as well isn't it uh, I just love it thank you so much for all the tips it's been amazing I just I just think um if we're going to leave our listeners with kind of a, a parting thought mm-hmm. Uh, what would that be? Um, I think one piece of advice I do give a lot of parents I work with is the more rules you've got in life, which uh, usually it's the script's rules, not even your own rules. So once you become aware of where those rules have come from, but if you've got 50, 60 rules, you know, about how things should be, likelihood is you're going to spend a lot of time arguing. It doesn't necessarily say those rules are the right rules either. Um, so, uh, and often putting more rules in place is, isn't, isn't good for, for certain children. So, so, uh, so yeah, it's good to have structure, uh, and it's good to have guidelines, but, you know, keep things flexible, um, because the more flexible you can be and, and, and just have, you know, if you need to have rules, then, then have rules around things that matter then then so the the less rules you've got the more guidelines the more flexibility you've got the less arguments you're going to have and it's the same in in your most intimate relationships as well the less the less rules your script has about how it should be uh the perfect relation should be um just just sort of sit back and think well 
you know, if I could choose, what would I choose? You know, and 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 then and then make a choice from there. And I, I think often you kind of have to close your eyes. This is what I do. I close my eyes and I drop down into my heart and and I try and get out of my head because that's where the script lives. And and I and I just close my eyes and ask, you know, what what would what would what would I choose? You know, and that that's how, you know, many years ago I came to the very simple thing about the bedroom really with my son was well obviously I choose just to love him doesn't matter what his room looks like because one day he's going to leave home and that room's going to be empty and and it'll be clean and empty and and it's a bit sad really and uh and that, we're at that stage now he's at university and I, I'm so glad that we stopped having arguments about about his room when he was 13 14 um because that could have just spilled right up until the day he left and it's fine and you know what he sent me a picture of his room at university and it is immaculate. It was honestly, he's got it. It, it looks low. And I just think, isn't that great? And I didn't, I didn't point out that it was immaculate because I was, I, all I pointed out was I was really proud, you know, whereas again, what, what a lot of parents might do is say, oh, why wasn't your room like that at home? But it's like, but actually it's fine now. So that's all that matters. That's good. And it was lovely. And I thought, yeah, so actually, do you know what? he's good he's good for, he's getting what he needs now isn't he but you know whatever whatever he needs for his room to be in the right place but yeah less rules more flexibility happy life amazing i think that sums it up really lovely and thank you so much i mean i've, I've learned so much just having this uh, podcast with you darren it's always to talk with you and you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm sure our listeners will have got huge amounts of value whether they're a parent or not uh, it can impact on any relationship and I guess if anybody wants to get in contact with you your book's out now on Amazon and there'll be links in the show notes and there's wonderful exercises in there like I said I've read it myself it's a fantastic book just to read for your own kind of insights but also I guess if you've got children there's exercises in there as well to take you through which are just wonderful and if anybody wants to you know get in contact with you and do any of your parent challenges you're on Facebook aren't you Darren if they type your name and the awakened parent challenge they'll be able to find you and connect with you yeah definitely yeah that's it thank you thank you so so much so I'm Lisa Victoria I'm your co-host from the UK across the pond and until next time I wish you all well take care produced by heard not seen media Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.